You are listening to Fisher Link, the official podcast of Fisher Inc. magazine. Welcome to the seventh season's first full episode. It is a pleasure for I, Logan Ward, and Cole Heidelberger to be hosting lecturer and CEO David Trim today. Mr. Trim has held executive positions at Hertz, Wendy's, and is currently CEO for the IT and Educational Services Provider, Synflection LLC. Primarily, Mr. Trim teaches at OSU and within the Fisher College of Business, leading classes on informational systems, e-commerce, and accounting. We are so excited to have a person of such business experience on the episode today, and hope you all enjoy. Welcome, Professor David Trim. Well, thank you very much for having me. Professor Trim, where and how did you grow up, and was the setting influ- influential to your success? Well, that's a good question. I, as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, this is not a natural Ohio accent, right? So yes. I grew up in the, in the United Kingdom, in Britain. I was born in the south of London. You know, London's second airport, Gatwick Airport. I wasn't born at the airport, but I was born very close to there. But I grew up in the southwest of England, um, near a place called Bath in Somerset, and um, that's a very rural area. And my family, even though I'm... uh, I've uh, got a sort of English accent. My father was from, not from England, he was from Wales. And he was a chemist, he was an industrial chemist. Um, he used to run a, um, a factory making explosives for the uh, British government. And uh, he's a very careful man. And um, he was a scientist as well. And he um, is very kind of influential for me in terms of um, both a, the science side of things and um, wanting to you know how things work as well, which has kind of been a passion for me um, throughout my uh, life. So I'd say those two things are pretty much um, influential. I was at a regular public school in um, uh, UK, meaning a state school in the uh, UK, because in Britain public schools are private. You know, if you knew that, it's a bizarre twist of the way the words are used. Um, but so yeah, I went to a, a state school there. And, um, uh, you know, it was a very, very good um, general grounding education in, uh, in all things. So, I was, you know, it's a kind of, uh, that part has been very influential. Yeah, yeah lovely. That sounds great. Um, and then following uh, grade school, where did you pursue higher education and in what major? Yeah, so I was at Imperial College London, which is, uh, it's kind of a famed school in, um, in well, actually internationally, um, it's habitually in the sort of top 10 um, universities worldwide. It's an engineering school, fundamentals, engineering medicine. It's the place where um, penicillin was discovered, actually. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's very well, no, there wasn't, there's no arts faculty, no, so it's, it's all engineering science um, medicine uh, there, and uh, very kind of, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good, very rigorous school, so, yeah. And so my, my major, yeah, I, was, I was a software engineer, so a computer science, uh, oh. yeah, I did a master's degree in software engineering. Was it like in the city necessarily? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's right in the middle of let's call it the fashionable end of London. So it's a place called um, Kensington, okay. uh, it's actually South Kensington. And um, if you've ever been to London, it's where the Albert Hall and the um, oh the Natural History Museum and the Victorian Albert Museum and all that sort of area, Royal College of Music, Royal School of Arts. Mm. Uh, it's all that's all in that sort of same campus area. So okay. it's kind of nice. Yeah, so I've been to London one time. I was very interested in going because when I went to school growing up, I went to the British School of Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's this <laughs> private school, and all the curriculum is, like, matches uh, schools. And yeah, grade. O-levels and A-levels. And, yeah, yeah and uh, it's IB program there. Yeah, and, okay. Like, IGCSE, stuff like that. And then also all of the teachers are from 
somewhere in Britain. In the UK. And then there's some, um, uh, like, assistants who are, like, American, but for the most part, yeah. So Interesting background. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, okay. familiar, yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, how, how did you find yourself, if you're in uh, software, how do you find yourself entering the world of business afterwards? Well, I so I began, I was began my career with uh, Clark's of England, Clark's Shoes. Uh, at the time, they were the largest manufacturer of footwear anywhere in Europe. And a um, very storied com- company founded in 1825. It's a terrific people company as well. And I was a general management trainee there. But I ended up gravitating because of my background uh, in engineering to the, computer, the sort of fledgling computer-aided design um, department, which was building its own CAD system. This is long before we had PCs or you know, Windows or any of that sort of stuff, right? So we, um, and we were building our own uh, system and it was a, there was a lot of um, quite intense math and, um, you know, it's also a very interesting problem trying to design shoes in 3D, flatten to 2D to manufacture them and that sort of stuff. So, so uh, and, and then after that, I went into general man- management at, uh, general, I should say, IT management at Clark's and transitioned from Clark's to Coca-Cola. I was with Coca-Cola for four years and then left them to go and work for Hilton, the hotel chain. And mm-hmm. I was uh, a global systems development director, so I ran all the projects at, at Hilton across the, across the world. And it was the first time I'd had a... Coca-Cola was an, an international role, mm-hmm. but it was the first time at um, Hilton I had an international. Okay. Uh, it was a fully international role. So, so it was, Global role. was it 100% traveling? or I did an awful lot of traveling, yeah. Okay. And um, it's a uh, certainly a lot of uh, a lot of time spent away from home. And uh, it was at a time when we had quite a young family, so it was a bit, a bit difficult. But the perks were quite good as well. We took it at Hilton. We had uh, we could go and stay in our hotels anywhere around the world. And we mm-hmm. did take you know, yeah. advantage of that. So. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more later. But can in working for companies of that size, can you really feel... The, the fact that it's that big, like Coca-Cola, Hilton, for example. Yeah. So many employees and so much going on around the world all at once. Yeah, so I worked, the part of Coca-Cola I worked for was a joint venture between um, Coca-Cola um, and the, the Coca-Cola Corporation and Cadbury Schweppes, which is, a, you know, Cadbury's now owned by Hershey, but at the mm-hmm. time was an independent company. And they had two parts, so they made chocolate and candies and they made um, fizzy drinks. And um, the uh, fizzy drinks part they put together with Coke's bottling and uh, distribution um, mm-hmm. and uh, created a company that basically looked after distribution and manufacture for Britain. So it's a kind of focus, even though you, you might think it's part of a big, yeah. you know, it actually um, it was a very kind of focused yeah. objective. And then um, Coke decided they wanted out of that business. They sold their stake in Cadbury's to to Coca-Cola Enterprises, and that's one of the anchor bottlers here in in the United States. They're based in Atlanta, which is where Coca-Cola are headquartered, and they had an interest in Belgium and the Netherlands and France, and so they were bottling across Europe. But that was a new venture for them, so I spent a bit of time um, with them at that, and that really did start to feel like you were part of a much bigger yeah. you know organization. Yeah. Okay, and and um. Climbing up the corporate ladder, both internally and then company to company, um, what are some of the most important things to remember when moving positions? And does this remain consistent between yeah. generations? Yeah, now that is that's a very searching question because I, I was trying to think what are the the things when moving positions. So if you're moving inside, like you get offered, because this happens, right? You get offered, um, would you like to go and work in this part of our company? You're already working for the company. We're going to move you, you know, over to this. 
I've had that opportunity several occasions during my career and um, you know you need to be thoughtful about this but generally speaking if you're op offered an opportunity particularly if it's a you know a big challenge or something it's a good idea to seize it with you know both hands so I mean two I'm particularly thinking of maybe um, three so um, one was uh, um, the move when I was working for Hertz I was um, the chief information officer for Hertz in Europe and the new CEO of the whole of Hertz said to me would I be prepared to move across the Atlantic and come to the United States? It was in 2007. And, uh, you know, my wife and I talked about it and uh, we were going to move our whole family. Um, and, you know, we said, well, yeah, I mean, it was going to be very difficult to have a much more senior role if I stayed in, in Britain. And every year I'd done a, some kind of evaluation, you know, with my manager, mm -hmm. uh, my boss, and they said, are you prepared to move if the opportunity came? And you answer yes, because it tends to make you score. So this was where the rubber hits the road, right? It was like, well, okay, we're offering it. Would you move? And so we, got, we kind of, that would be one. Another was I was working um, in IT, and I was in a very senior position in IT, but I wasn't the, like the top job. And um, same guy actually said to me, so the CEO um, said, well, would you now lead a brand reinvention program? I'd never done anything like that before, you know, worrying about the colors of uniforms and, you know, logos and that sort of stuff. But I said yes, because um, I, I felt that it was partly a door to be able to get to other places. It was like they couldn't move me into it. There was already somebody who was the chief information officer, but there was an opportunity here to go, you know, prove yourself out, meet, see some other parts of the business and, and do some work. So I think I think probably the rather long way of answering it, I think you've got to you know make sure when you are when an opportunity comes along yeah, you see that you take it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And I mean I've noticed that even right now I'm definitely just applying for internships for the summer and, and I'm always looking to there's something tangential that you can still connect yourself to, uh, leaving you open as a person to fill that opportunity. Yeah. You know, you just have to seize it, even if it's tangential to maybe your main major or your main goal in life. And I think that's a, that's good because otherwise you get pigeonholed. I think mm -hmm. the, the you asked a sort of subsidiary to that is, is has it changed? And I think the only thing I, I would say, particularly now I see a lot of students um, here, I've seen my own daughters grow up and go through this, and I think probably... Um, you know, people at the same age as I was are better qualified, are more savvy, are a little bit better, um, you know, prepared. And maybe that's just seeing, you know, the American way as opposed to, um, you know, people have a lot of polish, and a lot of students I see do. Um, I do worry, though, that, um, you know, whilst they're applying that in their first role, there's a need to kind of stick at it because it, it can be, there's, there's a lot of, after you've been there and you've settled in and all of the sort of the dust has settled and now it's work, yeah, it, it, can, it doesn't fulfill absolutely everything that you wanted to do. And I just worry that, you know, there's somewhere along the line we need to communicate to people that there is a, you know, there's a need to sort of see through some, you know, good and bad. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, stick with something that's terrible, but, mm -hmm. you know, equally, if the first thing you're doing is a good job with a good company, it just isn't quite delivering all the stuff that you want in. You know, it might be worth at least making sure that you don't look on your resume like you've just hopped from thing to thing. Right? You've got a bit of stickability. Yeah, you think, especially when you're younger, you think there's a certain degree of having to cut your teeth on something a little bit, a little exactly. bit rigorous. Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, right now, it's my 
business skills and environment 2292 crisis week i'm not sure if you're familiar with that <laughs> no it so, doesn't sound good though essentially they give us a case and um i i'm not going to talk too much about it because i don't want to get in trouble with the school uh, like coam and whatnot but they give you a case and you uh you're with a team of eight total people everybody is a c-suite executive mm -hmm. and has to you know, reply to communication and uh, due to some sort of crisis that has happened okay. within the company that we are the C-suite ex yeah. executives for. Um, so my next question, you know, maybe I'm acting as the COO right now on my team. This isn't, you know, exactly you weren't the C COO, but I'd like you to discuss your you know, position as CEO and CIO, uh, what, you know, specific responsibilities you had. And how does it feel being in the spotlight during uh, big company decisions and mm -hmm. you know, potentially crisis if you ever faced any? Yes, uh, I, you know, I was in industry for over 30 years, so yes, yes we, we've I've been, uh, my fair share of, of um, really you know, difficult um, crises. Um, I think you know, that's partly the reason why people, um, you know, are companies that are good at developing people are. Um, making sure that they're exposed to the sorts of things along the way. You know, you don't throw somebody in their first year at some massive problem and expect them to just swim. You know, it doesn't happen. Right? You have to be uh, toughened and you have to have seen and, and understood and, you know, practiced stuff. And um, I think, um, you know, being in the spotlight um, is another... You're going you're gonna to be criticised. And I think that's a, another uh, thing I, I, I... It just means you have to... You can't fragile about that sort of stuff I mean some of it's not going to be fair but if you're running a website for example or you're you're providing apps on the app store and you're you're standing behind a brand then you know they're not going to the the COO you know people who are complaining they're thinking it's the it's the IT guy right who, who doesn't get it or this system isn't working he should be fired you know you, you have to get used to really visceral criticism coming through I the thing that has um, always amazed me is sometimes you'd think wait a minute that's just off beam or that. I'm going to ring that person and you do and it's, uh, sometimes you're talking to some of the, the nicest old lady from you know Baltimore and she's like oh thank you so much for calling and you think you are the same person who wrote this you know he should be <laughs> whatever and, and so you know it's clear that people write stuff in the internet in a way that they probably don't behave in real life but uh, you just have to be toughened a bit to the fact that you're going to get a lot of criticism and you know, there's, sometimes there's just no right answer, you've just got to do the thing that seems, you know, by according to some principles, like the least damage or the you know, best overall outcome. And mm -hmm. specific responsibilities wise, CEO? Well, uh, so as a CIO, Chief Information Officer yes. at Hertz and Wendy's, I ran the global um, systems that we had, um, you know, different challenges in each company, um, but some of the company's businesses conducted through franchisees, uh, certainly true of Wendy's, and that means that, you know, you need to be talking to them as a constituency, you need to be, you know, leading, but also involving and consulting and so on, striking the right balance between that and being able to explain things, particularly to people who are very successful at running a small business, a franchisee would be, but they wouldn't necessarily be particularly technically oriented and so yeah. on. Um, so it requires that. Um, and uh, a good understanding of the business and being able to execute on behalf of the firm 
certainly as part of the C-suite, forming part of the group that is deciding what the strategy should be and then accepting accountability and responsibility for the parts of that overall strategy that have to be executed through stuff you do, like systems you need to put in, systems you need to change, um, you know, new capabilities you need to build for the uh, organization and so on. Okay. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to, to um, you know, leading a team or overseeing um, some understudies, it definitely can tie to both being an educational lecturer and a sitting CEO. Um, how does it feel splitting time between uh, an educational lecture position and a sitting CEO for a, maybe a smaller facilitative company? Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I should declare at this point. So my my time um, in uh, you know leading big teams and so on that that's kind of over. And what I do now primarily is here at Ohio State. I say yeah, this kind of is my job. In fact, I run a, um, a small consulting uh, company. I don't have any staff there. My my wife is the CFO. She has certain qualifications that make her good at that. But I would never say that she works for me. <laughs> It'd be a very dangerous thing. So. Um, yeah, we uh, so primarily that that conflict doesn't really arise because mostly you know if I'm going to do some consulting work or I'm going to do some application development that's outside of this, um, it's not doesn't take place during the, the time the times that I'm teaching, which is really just in the uh, the autumn term here. Okay, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, even through high school, I knew of one or two teachers that would have. That would have you know side businesses yeah. or things that they would develop with themselves. Um, one actually had a little side business that they started started with their partner. Um, and it's definitely as interesting to see if they choose to tie it to education or choose to keep it separate. Yeah, I, well, you know, my my little company uh, focuses a little bit on educational um, stuff, um, yeah, but that's you know part because you've got to categorize it somehow. Uh, I would say I think Fisher does an absolutely excellent job here of making it as a good balance between sort of uh, academic career um, people who are, you know, very, um, have a lot of different strengths to the people that they balance it with who come from industry. You don't want too much of one, too much of the, the other, I think, in a business school. It's a personal opinion, but mm. just strikes me that Fisher seems to get that broadly correct. You know, I think they're very, they, they value the right stuff. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. What kinds of things are you teaching currently in the careers? So I've got four classes at the moment. One's mm-hmm. um, e-commerce, which is a four-series class. I also teach a decision support systems, which is uh, so e-commerce is how to make money on the internet. The decision support systems is. Can how I ask to, you something about the e-commerce you, you one? You can go ahead. So uh, I tried to get into Shopify drop shipping for a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Uh-huh. Do you get uh, any students coming asking questions about that, trying yeah. to make a quick buck? Uh, well, yeah. I wouldn't say a quick buck. What I get is a lot of oh, I realize it's not a quick student. buck. No, no. I, 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 I do get yeah. a lot of thoughtful um, students who are for whom that's a, you know it's a serious career choice. They're thinking about whether or not they do that as a job. You know, they they um, start a business or they or they have already started a business. And um, I have one who was doing a sort of. Um, uh, what do they call it? Sort of ups, upscaling, um, uh, upcycling. Uh, uh, yeah, clothes. Yeah. So and okay. oh my goodness, this is a. It was a really professional looking outfit. They, you know, they knew what they were doing in terms of merchandising. They knew what they were doing in terms of, um, you know, the website that they built. They used um, something like Shopify to mm-hmm. be able to create it. Um, and from all accounts, it seems like a really, you know, good mm-hmm. little business. And um, so, you know, I, and I get questions from um, people who are 
both at that stage who know nothing about it but are interested, who are headed towards a career in accounting and want that, know that that's important. You know, so it's a, it's a good mix. And that's a non-technical um, class. So, so that one, decision support systems, which are unlocking the strategic value of information that companies have, right? It's, it's collected along the way and they just don't, you know, capitalizing on the, the insights there. Um, there's a, a class, a Foundations of Information Systems, which I, see, I teach together with two other colleagues here at Fisher. So I'm teaching it this um, semester. Actually, the other two are both uh, sort of similar backgrounds to me. One of us yeah. also previous um, CIO at Wendy's. So oh, there's yeah. two of us, right? And um, and then I teach a postgrad class, which actually um, is just starting. It's always in the second half of the semester, and that's uh, in advanced topics in information systems. And we do a little bit of programming in that, but primarily it's about sort of seven topics that are strategic importance in the modern IT organisations. Mm. Yeah. So, being CEO, CIO, I'm sure you've had uh, times where you've had a lot on your plate. So I'm curious as to what advice you might give college students, Fisher students. Advice uh, about having lots of things on their plate. Yeah, so like, like being overwhelmed. You mean that sort yes, of? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. So I would say that prioritizing is the critical skill. So you know, it's it's yes, there's an overwhelming amount of things, and there's not enough time in the day. But equally, there is a first things first, right? Putting first things first, I think, is probably the is the, the best single advice. There are also you know tasks that are important, tasks that are urgent, and tasks that are urgent but not important and you know and so on you need to be able to say well which of these is this thing i'm being asked to do mm -hmm. and um making sure that you use the best make the best use of your your time i think um if you are in a position in a work environment you're being handled handed um what you feel is too much because it's i would say it's tendency for bosses to give stuff to people who they think are going to give you a, give them a result rather you know so they give work to people who are good at doing stuff of right and that's an, a blessing, but equally there's a chance for a gentle pushback there and say, look, um, I'm already working on this. You know, uh, do you want me to do that now, or do you want me to? So you can ask, you know, the question where subtly what you're really saying is, uh, you know, you have already loaded me up pretty heavily here, um, and. Um, I think it's a mistake to th sort of throw your tools down and say, well, you know, I wish you'd just make your mind up. You were yesterday, we were asking, you know, you know but uh, I think. Stay calm and just look at the things in front of you. Try and sort them into priorities. Decide what needs to be done first, and if you need to, yeah, push back a little bit and ask, or ask for some help. You know, say, hey, I could do this a lot quicker if you could just you know, find a way to. So, particularly if you're thinking about how you might carve a task up into things that could be done by others, you're you're well on the way towards managerial decisions that you will have to make. Right. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And and do you think with um bosses or managers it's possible to find that kind of gap where they can also be be a co-worker in a sense and help you out with things you do you find that that's that's some of the best managerial staff yeah i think there's a there's uh i'm very fortunate most pretty much all the bosses i've worked for have been um great leaders you know they, they've there's always been something I felt I was getting out of the deal, right? As I'm being, you know, being managed. I never felt I was in a situation where I was working for somebody who had no idea what they were doing, right? And um, that could be very morale destroying. Uh, I think to have too much, in air quotes, help mm -hmm. with something that you're being given to do becomes, particularly after a certain level in your career, becomes really intrusive. So you, you want to be given guidelines and an objective and then left alone. 
to just do the thing. And uh, I think, well, not left alone, but you know, with reasonable oversight. And somebody's micromanaging you, that's now you can't work with that. But equally, um, you know, somebody who's just too distant, not interested enough in what's going on, that's a problem too. So, you know, the managerially, if you when you're the other side of this and you're setting tasks, I think getting that right and be particularly as a manager, be unafraid to ask. You know, is this am I supporting you in all the ways that you could get, you could get? What else do you need? You know, to get that get this done. Yeah. yeah. And in the digital age, I think that definitely helps a lot. I mean, I'm a current student assistant in human resources. And um, just the ability to, like, once a week catch up on Microsoft Teams and then get those responsibilities that you can then work on yeah. by yourself later has been a great help and a great balance of that, that balance that you mentioned of help but not micromanaging. And, yeah. and so that's definitely been helpful. So. And that's it for this episode of Fisher Link. We thank Professor David Trim for coming on the podcast today. Fisher Link is presented by Fisher Inc., the student-run magazine for the Fisher College of Business. This episode has been hosted by podcast members Cole Heidelberger and Logan Ward. I would like to thank Kylie Bell, the president of Fisher Inc., for making this episode possible. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review, check out our past episodes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fisher Inc. Mag for updates on future episodes. Fisher Link is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on go.osu.edu slash Fisher Inc., where you can stay informed on all things Fisher. Thank you so much for listening and go Bucks.